we decided we're going NPR voices. Oh, yeah. We're really... Yeah, yeah. Mm, Let me just drop it a little bit. I love that. Yeah. Bring it down. Bring it down. Um, really let the vocal fry just take uh, over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Piss off any men that might still be listening to this podcast. I actually don't, other than like our friends i don't think a single man is listening if you're a man and you listen to this podcast one sick what up two say hi i need to know for this week and this week only you are allowed to interact oh yeah no, <laughs> at you, any you other have, time you have permission do not interact <laughs> great bam 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 listens bam bam does listen to the podcast but we force him to do that and oh. he forces us I hope that just got picked up. He I hope so, too. tiny meow. Oh. He really wants to be on the pod, is what we figured out. Yeah. He's fucking up lights and playing with his toys <laughs> and doing a lot right now. He's doing a lot. He's trying to get into my lap, and it's and not going to work. I love him so much. Hi. You're just going to have to settle for second best right your, now. Your lap is taken up by cords. Um, we have, once again, overdone it on the number of alcohols. <laughs> we... We made a choice, and we made five more choices after that. Yeah. And it was too many. I, so, we introduced Cat to Twilight. We sure did. And we watched the final one last Friday. So, in honor of it, I took us back to college when those came out. <laughs> and I made jello shots, but, yes. like, adult jello shots. So, I made, like, strawberry margarita mm-hmm. and then lemon drop with limoncello they're both really good they're both really fucking good and that's dangerous yes um, i think i had eight of those things not a joke yeah yeah <laughs> like each uh, of us had <laughs> and because they just go down like candy they do and uh they're they very strong. strong yes <laughs> and i made like 48 of them shit got crazy <laughs> <laughs> for four of us uh, yeah so we had some left over yeah like you have several I've got six of the margarita mm-hmm. and I think six of the limoncello. Yeah, there's an even number, hilariously. Damn. Right so now we each, both started with yeah. one of each. We have one of each. And, and then we have... Um, what is quite possibly a mistake. <laughs> we don't know how this is going to work out. I want to say, um, I, we know that Sandra is a listener. Yeah, Sandra um, and Lincoln gave us, uh, Jake and I, a gift of spicy pepper vodka that yes. they infused themselves. Um, awesome. Yeah, it's it's sick. It it is it is smells so strong. Like the infusion really worked. It, <laughs> like, it really did. It went all the way. And I didn't think it through <clears throat> when I took a sniff of it because mm-hmm. I didn't like stay far back. You I just stuck shoved your my nose. whole face into the jar. <laughs> it burned your nose hairs. Yeah. I think. <laughs> I am awake. Yeah. I'm alive. In a way, that's nice. I yeah. feel alive again for the first time in yeah. forever. Um, but we did make a mixed drink out of it because we were like why not yeah so it is <laughs> maybe half an ounce of the pepper vodka yes. probably a full ounce of cognac because fuck you yep. and then the rest of it is sprite because double fuck you yep. no idea how this is gonna taste but this is what we have on hand yep. so i'm so excited i left mine way too far away but i do need to grab it now because we need to try this yes I actually am not hating that. Any more of the pepper vodka would have destroyed. <laughs> did the perfect. I think you it, did the perfect amount. I think I did a little too much. Do you think so? I do, but it's, I also like. I like spicy stuff. That's true. Like a spicy mark. Oh my god, this would be great in a spicy mark. Oh my god, you're uh, so right. It's oh like shit. 
We have tequila. You're right. Next week. We, we need, yeah. This is, this. This, we can't have this have much alcohol. Awakened. And okay. We haven't even gotten to the fucking <laughs> vanilla crown royal. <laughs> oh my God. So I actually think this is very pleasantly warm in the back of my throat. Yes. And otherwise it's just like not overly pepperly, kind of sweet. That's yep. legit. I'm, I'm into it. All right. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. Let's fucking do this. Yeah. Um, it's F-107. It is. What does so that mean? You go first. Okay. Thank you. I was prepared this time. I didn't need to look it up. You, I'm just so proud of my friend right now. <laughs> Can't even fucking tell you, man. And we technically stuck with it because I think I went first because I talked first when I made the uh, best of it. So technically, I went first last time. Very nice. So I've, I've probably told you this before that I keep a notes app now of like when I come across, if I'm doing something else mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with that, oh, and I come across a survivor story, I don't want to forget about it. So I will put it in the notes app. Usually apropos of nothing, zero context. It's like the name of the person and maybe the situation. Maybe. Mine is just links. Oh, sure. And sometimes I'll do a link, but a lot of the time I literally, I'm like, good luck to me later. (laughs) (laughs) You go find this on your own. And yesterday I was looking at my phone, like, like, do it, do it for me. Um, What it gave me was just the words Ada Blackjack and the Isle of Wrangle. (laughs) I was like. I know that's one of the more recent ones I've put in there. Do I remember anything about it? No. Nope. No. And I was instantly like, I have to do this one because her name is Bitchin. Mm-hmm. Her name is Ada Blackjack. And also, what's the island of Wrangell? <laughs> like, what was that all about? Well, here, let me tell you. Mm. So Wrangell Island, which I believe it is really pronounced that way. Is an island 87 miles off the northeastern coast of Siberia. So think real big Siberia and then like the northern part and to the right. So like also kind of above in that vicinity of Alaska. Yes. Okay. In fact, it is further from Alaska than Siberia, but you can still fully reach there from Alaska in about a week. You just have to cross the Chukchi Sea. Um, and I think that journey is more like 700 miles. But yes, totally reachable from there. We're talking Arctic, though. Like, it's way up there. So a man named Wilhelmer Stephenson. He's, to me, the villain of the story. If we were going to make a movie about it, because oh. I feel like it should be a movie. Okay. Wilhelmer Stephenson launched his second expedition expedition to this island in an attempt to claim the land for great britain because that's what we do if we're british yeah uh so vilhelmer had already attempted an expedition this was his second one and the other one was in 1913 and it failed terribly their boat sank and 11 people died it was not a good sitch it stranded some people on the island for like a small period of time um and it just was kind of considered a massive failure by everyone who heard of it. Um, so he's going to try again. <laughs> and he had handpicked a group of intrepid young men, three Americans, one Canadian. Um, they were quite young. Uh, two of them were really young. One was 19 and one was 20. These are not men who have done much with their lives. They went to school. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, then they, you know, and then they did this. Went on an expedition. <laughs> yeah. The other two had actually been on the other expedition and still... And they came back? Yeah. And somehow agreed to do this shit again. 
They were both 28 years old. They're two Americans. Um, we will get to their names when they actually launch this whole bad boy. Um, so one of these men ha was one of the ones who was actually forced to survive on the island for a few months during the failure of the first exp expedition. Don't know why he was cool with coming back, but apparently it was fine. So uh, supposedly these men were chosen for like their experience and also their education and the fact that they'd be able to like study the land and the plant life and the animals, but like they didn't know how to handle a gun or hunt or trap um, or anything useful for their own survival, even though like they were expected to hunt to survive when they got there. I'm pretty sure that Wilhummer just like didn't think that that would be an issue because he was going to do what do we always do when we're a white person doing an expedition? We bring along native people and then we never mention them. Yes. <laughs> yes. Do not perceive, do not acknowledge. Nope. Um, so Wilhelmer was like, we're going to have you guys take several Alaskan natives along with you. They will be familiar with the different aspects of surviving in the harsh cold that this island has. Um, so don't worry about it. You guys don't need to know any of that. You guys are going to do the studying. They're going to do the surviving for you. Um, but just like so many things to do with this expedition, like you're going to just keep hearing this, uh, that just didn't happen. No. We just simply did not bring anybody um, useful along except for our survivor. This is our hero, Ada Blackjack. She was actually born Ada Delatuk. She was later called Ada Blackjack due to marriage. She is a 25-year-old Inupiat woman. So that's a very specific um, peoples that live in a very specific part of Alaska and have for many, many, many hundreds of years. They are the native people of that specific area. And she is one of them. She's lived in the like different parts of Alaska her whole life. Um, she's had it rough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, one, Alaska she's a woman. Not, yeah, Alaska's <laughs> yeah. not friendly. No, it's a it's a tough environment. The fact yeah. that people really do live there and they have, like, they have to have so many more skills than people who live in just, like, temperate climates just, just to survive. Yeah, um, it's not been easy. But she's had it, like, especially bad, I feel like. She, so her dad died when she was eight. And then she was sent to a boarding school in Nome, Alaska. Most people have heard of that. It's at least one of the bigger non-Anchorage towns in Alaska, really close to the coast. Um, there she was taught English. Um, she also learned how to sew and cook what they called white folks food. Um, probably the kind of place that tried to erase her culture a oh, good yeah. amount. So oh, let's not yeah. get it twisted. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to cook white people's food? Mm -hmm. hmm And we're definitely going to only speak and read English. Cool. Oh. So at 16, she leaves the boarding school through marrying a local dog musher. His name is, hilariously, Jack Blackjack. Good. <laughs> they only knew two names in his family. Fair. <laughs> so you got to use Jack or Black. That's, mm -hmm. the, that's all you've got. So they get married. They have three children. Tragically, only one of them survives infancy. The oh, other no. two pass away. I know. So her son, Bennett, is alive and well, 
um, for a time, but he does contract tuberculosis because oh, no. it's just that time in history. I know everybody had it. So, and then when Ada was 22, Jack deserted her. Uh, a real piece of shit. I bastard. picture him. Yeah. A real asshole. I imagine. He's a dog musher. I don't know anything else about him. Hit the fucking road, Jack. Yeah. Hit the road, Jack. I don't don't come come back. Back. She yeah. doesn't deserve you. He. No, other way around. Yeah. He's already hitting <laughs> shit. <laughs> he doesn't deserve her. That's true. That's absolutely true. So he leaves her, like, destitute to the point that she is so poor that she and her son Bennett have to walk from the Seward Peninsula 40 miles back to Nome to live with her mother. Oh my she has God. no transport. Yeah. And her son has tuberculosis. Oh, my God. So she's, like, carrying him. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, eventually, another tragedy. She has to send Bennett to an orphanage because she just doesn't have the money to care for him. And she believes that, like, they will actually provide him better medical care than she can. She might be slightly right. It's probably not great, but it might be better. Maybe. Yeah. Either way, her goal is, of course, to get him back. She's right. not intending to leave him there. She just needs money. Yes. So, she finds the first job available to her in Nome, and that is this expedition. She's told it will be, you know, somewhat dangerous the way any, you know, traveling to parts unknown always is, particularly in the Arctic. We've done a few eps about it. Yes. You've heard of it, about it. It's um, not easy. No. No, especially, like, this is not, this is, again, like, 1921, so we're not talking the height of technology. We've got boats that do pretty good. But not but the they best. They can still get stuck on the ice, and almost invariably do. Um, but she is offered $50 a month, which is better than any job she could get in Nome. Yeah. And she's planning to save it so that she can get her son medical care and get him out of the orphanage. And I mean, she survived walking to Nome with a baby with TB. Yeah, I think she's... So, of the chances of her getting through this, pretty fucking solid. Pretty solid. I think, like... I hope that she already had an idea of herself as, like, someone who's pretty strong and can handle it. I just... It, it's hard to know. Yeah. Um... So either way, she decides she's going to join Wilhelmer Stephenson's ex expedition. They're going to go to Wrangell Island, a real motherfucker. By the way, Wilhelmer is not on this expedition. He is. No, no. He's the money in the brain. Yes. He, he's going to take all the credit, but he's going to send the other people to go yeah. do it. You know, like in the Hunger Games where you have like a sponsor and they just sort of send you stuff while you're out there doing everything that's scary and dangerous. That's Wilhelmer. <laughs> Bastard. He's a real douche. So a ship called the Victoria brought the four men who he actually hired, to Nome and their names. Now, we'll get to the, these guys that are also going with Ada. Their names are Alan Crawford. He's, tw he's the 20, and he's Canadian. We have Lorne Knight and Fred Maurer. Too many R's in that name. They're both 28. They're American. And then the youngest is Milton Grail. He is 19 and American. They're carried with them, wonderfully, a cat named Vic. They had... They had befriended the captain of the Victoria on the way there, and he gave them his cat, who he named after the ship. <laughs> did, did they tell him that they were going yeah. to the Arctic? Yeah. 
I'm going to just like take the suspense out of this intimate moment here. Um, the cat survives. Oh, good. The cat lives because cats cannot be killed. Well, um, if that cat had been Bam Bam. Okay. Right. Yeah. I think Vic was like a ship's cat, so yeah. he's already scrappy. Yeah. I think that's why he's good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no worries. They're, they also bring along with them um, the supplies that Wilhelmer has provided them, including seven sled dogs and just six months worth of supplies for what is to be, you know, at least a year expedition. But the idea being that, like, they bring a certain amount and then a ship comes to them and brings them more when it is able. And then also, like, the six months of supplies is not all you're supposed to live off of because you're supposed to be using the land to live. There's supposed to be plenty of wildlife. Wilhelmer is, like, so positive there's just going to be so much fucking hunting and trapping and fishing they can do that they're not even going to need their supplies. He literally calls it the friendly Arctic. Like, that's what they're going to encounter, is a friendly Arctic there to help them survive. It's fine. Don't worry about it. So, oh, God. yeah. I mean, Ada arrives on the dock that day under the impression that she is one of many Native people who mm -hmm. will be going along and nobody else shows up but her. And the men assure Ada that they are going to pick up more people on the way like they'll just make some stops somewhere even though they don't do that um and that just straight up doesn't happen i think they were just trying to convince her to come along because they needed one person who knew anything yep um so a ship called the silver wave takes the four men and ada the it's 620 miles from Nome to wrangle island over the course of a week and that's it that they arrive it's just them. Ada has specifically been hired to cook and to sew furs for them, which she is familiar with how to do both of those things. Those are things she was taught. She has never lived a life that required her to know how to hunt or trap any game. That's just not what she knows because she wasn't supposed to be the one doing that. So nobody on the island knows how to hunt or trap or even shoot a gun. That's just a little important, I feel like. There are probably bears. Mm -hmm. There are definitely moose. Um, in fact, one thing that was really interesting is that this, this island has the highest concentration of polar bear dens <gasps> of any piece of land on Earth. <laughs> oh, nope. Yeah. Nope. Um, they didn't nope. mention moose. I think it might be slightly too high up for moose. Tons of walruses, though. Walrus was so, a thing. Ducks, weirdly. Yeah. So walrus will fuck you up. Mm -hmm. Polar bears will definitely fuck you up. If a walrus is around, a polar bear is there. Yep. <laughs> Seals are also there. They will oh, also yeah. fuck you up if they want to. Yeah. Um, they're all eating each other. And if there's seals, <laughs> there's probably killer whales. Probably. Yeah. So, like, don't go in the water. And probably, pl I mean, plenty of fish, as long as maybe if you stay close enough to the island. I know they did some fishing eventually. Anywho, oh my god, they it starts off so bad though. Like they're supposed to come with like a like a boat made out of skins, um, and they lose it on the way. Like it washes oh, no. off of the silver wave, and they just don't even have a boat. Shit! <laughs> like they have nothing. It's awful. So Ada regrets this like as soon as the yeah. boat is is going away on the. She's just like watching it recede 
on the horizon and crying. Like she just leaves the four men to do some stuff while she just goes and cries by herself because she cannot believe she did that. Yeah. Um, She probably believes she just sentenced herself to death. Honestly, like it must have been so scary. Yes. (laughs) Like, oh, I'm alone here now with four men, by the way. I'm the Mm -hmm. only woman and they're all white and we're just alone. Cool. Um, This is a quote from her. She said, uh, when we got to Wrangell Island, the land looked very large to me, but they said that it was only a small island. I thought at first that I would turn back, but I decided it wouldn't be fair to the boys. So she's like, I got to stay for these fucking idiots. Like she's right around, right in the middle of their ages and she knows more than them. (laughs) They need her. So it is actually technically summer still when they land. Like it's, it's, I want to say September, but early in September. Okay. So it's going to be fall soon. Drastic yet. They've got right. a little bit of a window to yeah. hunker the, down. If not everything is ice. It's one of those like areas where like purple flowers and, and little stubby grass still grows okay. everywhere. It's not all covered in white all the time. Um, and there actually is an okay amount of like rabbits and birds and, and other things that... Wild. Yeah. That's that, crazy. It, it is crazy that something small lives up there at all, yeah. to be honest. But there totally is stuff there. It's, a, it's an okay time of year for them to have landed. Um, they, they figured out just enough about how to hunt and trap, specifically trapping. They even managed to, like, get a couple polar bears and, like, skin those. And Ada uses the furs to make them garments for the colder weather as it gets colder. They're not living well, but they're living okay. So things are okay until like the days grow shorter and it's getting colder and the winter is approaching and you know it's going to be long as fuck and like the sun basically doesn't come up anymore. Yeah, I was going to say they're far enough north that uh, yeah, they're going to have like three to four months of just eternal night. It's, it's just dark. Like you might see the sun peak above the horizon like a oh, little bit. Half an hour to an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and then, nope. And then maybe during the summer. They didn't really mention this, but it's probably one of those places, yeah, where, like, during the summer, the sun's kind of always up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when my brother was stationed in Fairbanks, he sent us a picture of him washing his car at midnight in the full sun, so. Why not? I've seen some TikToks of people like, this is 3 a.m., and it's, like, full-on <laughs> daytime. Yep. Yep. I'd be so messed up. Blackout curtains Blackout needed. Blackout curtains, bro. Yes. So... Things are getting steadily worse. The game is, I mean, things are literally, like, the polar bears are going away. Mm-hmm. They're they are hibernating, or they're going even to different climates. Like, they yep. just don't stay on this island. Migrate. Yeah. Um, the birds leave. migrating. Right. So, and, again, they don't have a boat, so, like, fishing is only off the shore, and it's not the best. Like, the colder things get, the harder things get. Tends to be how it goes. Yeah. yeah. Um... So they realize, like, okay, so they're coming upon the time, though, when they're, they should be receiving help. And it should be okay. Mm. Now, it turns out that our really good friend, Vilhalmer, mm-hmm. um, is actually broke. And oh. I can't believe he did this expedition good. with no money. Um, Nothing so. like putting other people's lives at risk when you're broke. Epic shit. Epic. Um, but he kind of realizes like he did not send these people off in the best way. No. So he appeals to the Canadian government and then also to Great Britain to help get a supply ship 
to the island and barring a supply ship like get them a ship to take them off within a year because like they simply cannot stay there for that long um and both countries are like aren't you that guy <gasps> that in 1913 like you sent that other ship up there and then like 11 people died and he's like yes but i am trying to claim the land for great britain and great britain is like we never asked you to do that <laughs> I don't want the land. Yeah. We don't care. There's nothing we can do with that land. Yeah, about you this can't desolate fucking island. Civilizations no. there. No, there's no oil. No. <laughs> there's no, no oil up there. Money rich natural resources. No. There's no gold. There's no oil. And it's like, I guess it's interesting. People went to Antarctica just to be like, I've been. I've yeah. done been there. But like, this isn't even that fun or interesting. It's just like kind of really up north. <laughs> Yeah. you're not headed to the North Pole. Like, this is just an island. Like, it just never even occurred to them to ask for this. No. So they don't understand what the fuck Will Hummer is doing. Also, no one else wants it. Right. It takes like, away the thrill for Great Britain if nobody else is fighting Exactly. For if it. Russia was like, this is, this ours, is ours, maybe. Britain would be like, well, actually, you know what? Yeah, I do want to stick a flag mm. in that. Considering that, like, Alaska is close, I can't believe they didn't appeal to America. Right. In addition... But Canada also didn't want that shit. They're no. like, whatever, my guy. <laughs> like, I don't care. So he has a hard time. Yeah. Getting help. Winter comes and goes, though. They make it through. Wow. I know. Like, they're not doing well. We're but talking starvation conditions. Dead yet. Right. I mean, they're, they're still. They're all still alive? They're all still alive. Okay. Everybody is not doing great, but they're doing okay. Like,. That's They're hard. working incredibly hard just at surviving. Yes. Especially it's not Ada. Easy. No. I mean, there was a period of time where like Ada had a pretty rough like it was actually the first few months, like when the weather was better, things were better. She was so homesick and so upset about having li- left her son knowing he was sick and that something might happen and she wouldn't know. Like that she was in really bad spirits. And for a while there, they were like, Ada, you're not doing the stuff you're here to do. And they would, like, berate her and shit. Oh. Did not make it better. At one point, one this is only one of the things I read, but they said that, like, she may have walked into, like, a field with some herbs that were meant to kill her. And then she ended up not taking them. Oh. So she, she went to a really dark place there for yeah. a while. But, you know, maybe this is just part of, like, being who she is and living where she's lived her whole life. But as the weather got colder, she actually started focusing more on the surviving and and needing to just get stuff done and and cooking and making the furs and doing the things that she's supposed to be doing. So it made her feel better while the men are just, like, plummeting. Their their mood (laughs) is getting worse and worse because this is not what they expected. Um, but everybody starts slowly getting along. Like, they're the only friends they have. I mean, there's no choice. Right. Like, you only have each other. Yeah. So, if you want to... There's wanna... no point in fighting. No. You might Where as well talk to each other. Go? Right. Like, I know for a fact that, like, she must have told them about her life and about her husband who deserted her I'm and, like, sure. well, how she ended up here. Because I know it, it comes up. About. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that they knew... Oh, they all knew all about each other. Why wouldn't they? What else do you have to do? Well, and this was very much the era of people writing journals and things. So yes. There's always that hope that if one of them survives it, they'll recount the tales of everyone else and tie yeah. up their loose ends. I know for a fact that Lorne 
was writing a journal just to chronicle the expedition for, you know, when they got off of there being like, this is what happened. This is the day to day. And I think we know from other stories that people start out doing that. But the more like bored and also lonely you are, the more you rely on that. <laughs> you have to like you start writing like your own little thoughts and not yeah. just the facts of what's yep. going on. So definitely, definitely. I think that was happening. So every day, basically, they're waiting on a ship. They get through They get through the winter into the spring and into the early summer again. And they're waiting on the ship. The ship is supposed to be here any, any old time now. Because it's been a year. and I mean, it's coming up on one anyway. Um, and they're, they're, every day they're looking out, waiting for the masts to come up on the horizon. And it turns out there actually had been a ship... Um, I don't remember if it was Canada or Great Britain, but I think it might have been Canada, helped out our good our good friend Wilhelmer, and they sent a ship called the Teddy Bear. It launched, unfortunately, like early August, and by the time it got there, the ice was already gathering back up. Like the warmest days of summer had gone already. And the ice was gathering back around the island the way we know that ice does, mm-hmm. where, like, it creates these huge ice flows that ships cannot get through. We've known them to get stuck. Yep. So the teddy bear turns around. Um, so no ship comes. And they come back all the way around to fall, just like what they arrived to. It's been a full last year, and there are no new supplies. So by the time they're getting back around to their second winter... Shit is not good. It's very bad. They're eating basically like tiny strips of dried duck day in and day out. They're subsisting off of next to nothing. And not only that, Lorne Knight, one of the 28-year-olds who was on the original expedition, he has developed a severe case of scurvy. Uh-oh. A scurvy, for anybody who doesn't know, is a lack of vitamin C. There's no fruit. They haven't had fruit for, like, maybe the whole time. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, um, a lot of them have, uh, including Ada, have signs of scurvy. But yeah. this guy gets it bad. I don't know if he was predisposed or if he just had a shit diet before the, all this. Who knows? They So they arrived in September of 1921. It is now January 1923. That's too long. Is too fucking long, my dude. It's almost a year, a year and a half. Yep. Almost. So Lauren, by this time, is bedridden. Essentially, he yes, can't go no. anywhere. He's not doing well. The other men, Alan, Fred, and Milton, they decide that they have to do something. And they're they just can't stay here. They they have to set out. And at first, I was like, Issa Island. My dudes, like, what are you gonna do? Where are you fucking gonna Where go? Where are you gonna go? But I did remember that, oh yeah, like the entire sea for a certain amount around all land masses up there freezes. Mm-hmm. So they decide, like, they're going to set out on a sledge, probably with whatever remaining dogs they have. I didn't hear anything about eating dogs with this one, surprisingly. So maybe they didn't. Maybe they died of other things. But I think they still have some remaining. And they're going to take these dogs and they're going to ride the, it is 700 miles across the ice to Siberia. They know there to be an outpost on the coast of Siberia, 
but it will take them 60 to 70 days to get there. And that's supposing that the ice is fine to traverse the whole way there. But they're like, we can't just sit here. No one is coming. They, they take off one day and they leave Ada because someone has to take care of Lorne. So Alan, Fred, and Milton are never seen again. Yeah. No one is yeah. surprised. We're not surprised. We've literally done stories of going over ice and having things go horribly fucking wrong. Oh, God. Yeah. Just walking. Even if it is thick as hell up there because it's so... Yeah. And I mean, and it's shifting. It's always like the ice is literally flowing and it's coming together and and coming apart and it's not safe. (laughs) It's just not safe. And like the water under it never freezes. Like it's still moving. No. And you're going to hit patches that have stronger currents. Or, like, rip currents that are just ripping it in another direction, breaking the ice. The whole, even if you, you are on a very long stretch of foot-thick ice, it can just break yep. apart. Yep. <laughs> it doesn't care about you. Nope. So, it gives no fucks. It makes me sad that, like, we have no idea how far they got. We have no idea what happened to them. Not a clue. If Maybe they gave out from the exposure, from bad weather, from their own bodies not being strong enough to make the journey. Maybe they fell through the ice. Maybe. I, who knows? We will, we will never know. And it sucks because they were such young dudes. But, like, meanwhile, we've got Ada and Lorne to worry about. So Lorne has grown so ill that he can no longer write in his journal. He's been the one kind of chronicling what's happening. So Ada begins writing one of her own. Um, she describes her daily life of mainly just taking care of Lauren and trying to keep herself fed and well enough to continue taking care of him. It's a full-time fucking job. Yes. She walked for miles every day in search of food. She sometimes had to defend the camp from wandering polar bears. She like built a structure that would allow her to see them from a distance so that she had warning enough to, like, fire a gun or something and scare them off. Over time, she did teach herself how to shoot because she just had to. Yep. She was, like, she would, like, set up cans in a field and, like, try not to waste too many bullets, but would, like, slowly teach herself over Aww. time. Yeah, pretty cute. She even made a fucking boat out of animal skins to fish with by her own damn self. Like, damn. I don't know how... It's like maybe she had enough background knowledge to do that or she just figured it out. It kind of seems like she had to teach herself how to hunt and trap. Yeah. As well. Because otherwise, like, they were going to die. There was no option. There's no choice. No. I think it's kind of amazing what people can do when they have no other choice. (laughs) You would learn anything. It's crazy what you can can do when you back somebody into a corner you really kind of see sink or swim. Right. And she's absolutely swimming like surviving is all she can do and she is doing better at that than most people would i think yes i don't know if i could do all of this at all i couldn't no (laughs) i just know for a fact no i would have given up like lauren (laughs) i'd be on my back uh so um the problem with lauren is that uh he's probably really scared he feels like shit all the time he is completely at the mercy of Ada, who is taking care of him as best she can, but, like, he can't do anything, and he's really frustrated. He's always angry. And he takes it out on her. Nope. he's a piece of shit. Nope. 
By the way, this is okay. I didn't even mention like Lauren is the biggest of everybody there. And she was afraid of him for like the first six months of the expedition. Fucking fair. Yeah. And he would only ever refer to her as the woman. So like they didn't do so good. <laughs> um, I bet they probably had an okay relationship in the middle of things when things were not so bad. Yeah. But now that he's having a bad time, he spends all his time berating her. He tells her she is lazy that she is not doing enough for him. He throws books at her. He uh, tells her that her husband, Jack Blackjack, had been right to abuse her and abandon her. Like, he knows that much about her at this point, and he uses it against her. Because he's just mad. She's mad that he's dying. You know what? I would take that boat. I'd put him in it. <laughs> yeah, ship him off. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't waste the boat. I would drag mm. him further in on the island dump him out and leave him for the polar bears. Honestly, he probably could not get up. No. Like, there's like, no way. Take him far enough away from camp where they're not going to trace it back. Yeah. It's true. Like, what is going to happen? She hopes that those three men are going to make it to Siberia right. and then they'll send a ship. But, yeah. like, are they? <laughs> like, I don't know if I'd have a ton of faith in that. I don't think I'd be that worried about this man if he was making me feel like shit all day. Nope. But. Nope. Ada Absolutely is, not. Ada is kinder than us. Ada has <laughs> patience that we simply do not have. Nope. <laughs> and I, I can't feel sorry. I won't. <laughs> I won't feel sorry. The second that fucker started talking back. It's like. Especially if like I was walking miles and learning mm -hmm. new skills and teaching myself all of these things. To keep him alive. To keep that fucker alive. Fuck and you. he decided he was going to be a little bitch about it. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, then you can figure this out and you can survive on your own. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I think that Ada, like so many women and especially so many like women of color of that time period, even more so than now, are just taught that like a man does whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and you just deal with it because no, like they're right. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah. This is a quote. These are two quotes from Ada's diary. They are sad. Um, she says, this is the worstest life. I have lived in this world though. It is hard enough for me to woodwork and trying my best in everything. And when I come home to rest, hear a man talk against me saying all kinds of words against me, then what could I do? There's very little punctuation. So I hope I did that justice. The other quote is he never stop and think about how it's hard for women to take four man's place to woodwork and to hunt for something to eat for him and do waiting to his bed and then take the shit out for him. She literally says like she takes his bedpan out like that. She's doing everything for him. And all he does is fuck with her for six months. No. Like nobody comes. The men do not return. It's just her and Lauren as he is getting worse and worse and more belligerent. For nope. six months. Nope. Mm -hmm. Does he die? So one day on June 22nd, 1923, Ada awoke to find that Lauren had died. Good. Good. But also less good. She is alone. But now she can take the resources that she was gathering for both of them and, and dedicate herself. it to herself. Yes. That is the good part of that is like, even if he was a kind man, that's still really tough. A man who is very much going to die and then you're using all that time and those resources on him and i think she really did believe that she could help that she could save him yeah if if she could just keep him alive long enough but like keep him alive long enough until help came yes. and the ships came it's true though she does 
she is alone now, but in some ways that's good. Yeah. So after all this time, Ada's writings, they become now about survival only. Like, because that's all she has time to focus on and that's all she chooses to focus on. She just delves fully into it. She, it's basically because she knows she has to get back to her son. Like, she doesn't have an option. She cannot abandon her son. So she writes in there, I must stay alive. I will live. Which, like, that's the mentality. That's what you need. We talk about that all the time. You have to think that way. For two months, she continues to toil. It's her and the cat Vic. That's it. She still has the cat. Damn. Yeah. They're eating dried duck. Tea made out of walrus blubber. Again, oil. Walking for hours. Doing all the same stuff. So she is always, always, always looking for a ship. Just in case. I'm just glad she still has the cat. Me too. That's that's company enough. I feel like that that probably helped her survive. Yeah. Like, just to have something else. You can else. still talk to a cat. And you also probably don't need to provide shit for that cat. No. That cat's hunting better than you are. That cat so. can live on bugs. <laughs> yeah. Which, like, in the summer, great. Winter, probably not so much. Might be able to catch a weird mouse or whatever yeah. things live in dens around yep. places. Probably yep. fine. I, I don't think you need to give that cat any food, which is the ideal companion. Yes. <laughs> so one day, on a day that Ada probably had no clue, was August 19th, 1923. Like, I can't imagine that you keep track of time no. anymore. <laughs> so Ada wakes up from a dream about a ship. And she finds that it's really foggy all around the landscape. She eats a meager breakfast. She sits with Vic around a fire. And... Then she starts to, like, hear and feel this rumble. At first, she she thinks it's, like, close by and not that strong. Like, there might just be a walrus sort of skidding around on its big belly somewhere outside. Yeah. Um, but Doing it keeps getting... That it does. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it keeps getting louder. To the point where it doesn't make any sense anymore. So the scraping sound is now, like, is, is this full rumble beneath her feet. And she finally peers out and she has to wait for the fog to move enough. And she eventually sees the mast of a ship and it is moving through the ice toward her. The Donaldson, it turns out, is the ship that she can see. It's captained by Harold Noyce. <laughs> Noyce. <laughs> Literally, it's spelled that way. Oh <laughs> N-O- my god. N-O-I-C-E. Harold Noyce. <laughs> so it had set sail a couple weeks beforehand and they didn't they knew that they had to go get these people like some, like Stephenson, you know, Phil Homer. He was still like, hey, my guys might be out there. So finally, someone decides, yeah, we'll go send a rescue ship and see if anyone's alive. I don't think they expected survivors. But they make land and they it takes them a full day to see anyone or anything. But eventually they find Ada on the beach. And she's brought aboard. And on August 31st, she returns home to Nome, Alaska. She and Vic, the only survivors. Now, this is the aftermath. She's done it. She survived. I super wish that I could say that everything was, like, really good for Ada for the rest of her she life. She did get paid. She did get paid. Good. For the expedi- expedition. Um, she is reunited with her son, Bennett. She uses that money to go they move to seattle for a period of time so that she can send him to like a real facility that takes care of people with tuberculosis and he recovers he never fully fully recovers he has complications for the rest of his life but he 
he is cured of TB, basically. Probably yeah. one of those places that's just like, it's outside. Go be outside. <laughs> she does. This money affords her the opportunity to save her son, which is all she wanted, which is pretty great. Unfortunately, there were people who sought to profit off of Ada's story sure. without her input. Yep. And both Wilhelmer, because he's a real piece of shit, and Captain Noyce, they went on to write books about this expedition. Not so noise. Not so noise. I literally said Captain Not So Noise like two sentences from now. Yeah. <laughs> so Wilhelmer, true fuckwad, to the last. Never, never a good moment for this man in this entire story. He even told Ada that if she let him use some of her writings in his book, then she would get a cut of what he got from She's the sales. Not a dime. Probably wouldn't. I doubt he even gave her actual credit. I think he probably mentioned her name and then, you know, who ca- Like, no one's going to care about, like, you citing your sources and nope. whether or not you paid this woman. Like, no one's going to care. Nope. <laughs> like, not back then. Yeah, it fucking sucks. So she doesn't see a dime of that. Um, meanwhile, Harold, not so nice. Um, he writes an account of things that makes Ada look like a villain who left Lorne to starve while she used all of the rations for herself. Um, literally, like, he writes this book that pans her, that paints her in this terrible light, and then um, other, he like... He wasn't even there! He wasn't even fucking there. He wasn't even fucking there. But, you know, he can say whatever, I guess, and newspapers pick it up, and they run headlines that say, like, Though man's body was wasted by starvation, Ada Blackjack was healthy. Ada Blackjack also fucking had scurvy. She was in the early stages of scurvy. She was literally starving, but that's fine. Paint her however you want, I guess. Um, So like so many of our survivors, Ada did not want to talk about this. But because of this bullshit, she did one interview with like, it was like the... Los Angeles Tribune, I think. Um, she did this in early 1924, so like a year after she's arrived. She's already has to defend herself. And she says, in a quote, For two months I was alone on the island. It was hard, but these accusations are harder still. There is no truth to them. So Ada would later remarry, twice actually, and oh. she had one more son who totally survived good. and did a good job living. Good. His name is Billy. <laughs> At one point, tragically, Ada did contract TB herself. Uh-oh. It was just around. It was just yeah. everywhere. And she did have to give up her boys again to an orphanage because she could not care for them herself. They were re- reunited nine years later. Oh, God. I know. But eventually, she and her boys moved back to Alaska in 1937. And then uh, she makes a living, like, herding elk and trapping and hunting. And these are things she taught herself on the island she didn't know how to do them before and now she makes a living from that bennett the kid the her first child with tb um he suffered for most of his life with complications he died at the age of 58 could have been better could have been worse um ada lived until the ripe old age of 85 years old damn after all the stress her body was put through when she was young uh she died in 1983 holy shit i know like it's weird to think of she was, like, born in, in like, right, like, 1900, basically. Wow. So, yeah, she lived a long time. 
Um, it is extremely common, as we talked about, for Native people to be brought along on these big, these grand voyages, these great expeditions to the new world that are always led by fucking white people. And then they are never mentioned nope. for all their contributions, even though they are usually the reason why these white people survived at all. So Billy, Ada's son, fought for a long time, especially after her death, to make sure that she was recognized. Good. And um, one thing that I did find, um, she was formally recognized by the Alaska State Legislature one month after her death as a true and courageous hero. So that's nice. I think we, she does not go down in history as like what they tried to paint her as. Good. I feel like that's that's what matters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's our job to just continue spreading the word that both of those men are pieces of shit. Yeah. That <laughs> Wilhelmer Stephenson and Captain Noyce can both suck our collective dicks. It's good to I look guess, back. Like, yeah. It's good to look back Figure and see what pieces of shit you are. Yeah. Because you might wow. have a piece of shit in your family tree. Wilhelmer Stephenson really sounds like a fucking con artist. Yes. Like, he. He sounds like he was playing fast and loose with people's lives. Too many consonants. <laughs> Absolutely. I didn't, I did not like saying his name, but he does not, he didn't have the money to be doing any of that shit. He half-assed every single step of that and it cost 11 people their lives the first time and four people their lives the second time. Like, fuck you, dude. Sounds Think. like a white man. Yeah. I'm glad Ada survived because somebody had to live just to be like, that was bad. Yep. <laughs> that was really bad, y'all. Ugh. All right. Well, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Would you like to harp it noise? Yeah, let's do it. I think we told Kat we'd let her try the, the pepper we vodka. We <laughs> so we should do that. Like, let's. Boopity boop boop. That's Game Grumps. <laughs> you can't just steal the Game Grumps thing. <laughs> and we're back. Yeah. I loved it. That what really weird. what are we doing now? Hey, what's our deal? So, you remember a while ago, like so many moons ago, mm-hmm. when we talked about the Halifax explosion? Yes, that was like only like three eps ago, I think. And I know, so long ago, <laughs> like a million years. And I said that it was crazy because I had had that on my list to do. Oh, but that was only the partial truth because I was holding on to the other part. <sighs> Because it was on my list to do in pairing with something else. Oh. So, if you haven't listened to the app like three apps ago about the explosion of the SS Mont Blanc, Mont Blanc. December 1917, Canudalia, Halifax, go listen to that and then come back here. Okay. Ooh. Now, that was horrifying. Yes. We talked about that, how that like changed industry standards for how explosive items were transported yes however uh-oh america uh-oh yeah this was not an american tragedy therefore nope. we probably didn't learn any lessons nope no so let's um let's skip from the great war to the second not so great war <laughs> great and the greatest let's go war. to 1947 <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to for any reason there's no good reason to go to 1947 we're going to go to Texas. No, there's no good reason to go to Texas either. Yeah. We'll talk about the Texas City Industrial Blast. Oh, God. Okay. Quote, okay. I was walking to school that day. Oh, no. 
We lived at the corner of Dock Road and 3rd Street. When I felt the first blast, oh, no. by the grace of God, I cried out, save me, and managed to throw a coat over me. When I finally got up, everyone around me was dead. What? That was a quote by Ernestine Moreno, who was 17 at the time of the disaster. Ernestine is one of about 100 survivors of the 1947 Texas disaster that is still, like, was still by 2019 alive and wow. talking about it. Okay, pretty good. I mean, 1947, I, yeah, that's understandable. But yeah, the, most a lot of the, of the survivors, survivors are, were kids. Yes. That were still alive to talk about it. That makes total sense. So, April 16th, mm. 1947, we are not in December of 1917. <laughs> spring has sprung. Right. We're in the South. And uh, the Texas City disaster just happened to be the deadliest industrial accident in the U.S. history. And one of the largest non-nuclear explosions. So oh, I'm troubled. Mid-morning, there's a French-registered vessel, the SS Grand Comte. Sorry, it's, Grand the, it's these fucking French vessels. The yep. Mont Blanc. Yep. The, the Grand, Grand Comte. Comp. <laughs> 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 uh, was docked in port, carrying cargo of about... Mm, 2,200 tons of ammonium nitrate. That's too much of that. Hey, bound we learned Europe. 30 years ago. Yep. Too much of that. Yep. Bound for Europe oh, to help God. World War II recover. Yep. Uh, just well, in the recovery? We're... Just the recovery. Okay. We needed ammonium nitrate for recovery. Care. Apparently. So it, it had fuel, it had oil, and then it also had ammunition in its cargo hold. We simply yep. can't be putting all those together. Yep. Separate ships for separate shit that blows up. Guys, please. <laughs> we Literally, we learn nothing. Uh, <laughs> the official cause of the disaster is that someone had dropped a cigarette. Like, that into the hole. Sucks. Like, dropped it down. Oh, my God. That sucks. You can't smoke on that ship. The nope. French? <laughs> the French? Uh, so they, they noticed that it was smoldering. Oh, no. This started the day before. So things were just kind of smoldering. A dude dropped a cigarette down there and then walked away. And for a whole last day, it was, it was smoldering. smoldering. So fire department was called. Mind you, the volunteer fire department. Because this is a city of 18,000 people. Uh-huh. But the fire continued to grow. Because this is something out of their wheelhouse. Because this is basically a chemical fire and they don't know it. Oh, sure. Uh, so, according to the library, the Texas City Library, the ship's captain tried to extinguish the fire by, like, forcing steam into the cargo holds. But the steam vapors liquefied the ammonium nitrate and produced nitrous oxide. Oh, God. Oh, God. If we go back to Chemistry 101, that is extremely volatile. Oh, no. You don't put steam into anything nitrous. This like, isn't a regular fire. It's not a regular fire. You don't extinguish it with water. You don't extinguish it with steam. No. Like, you have to deprive it of oxygen. That's the only way. And you're not going to do that in a ship. Yeah, I mean, it's probably not, like, Unless you fully airtight. submerge it. Like, unless you sink the mm -hmm. fucking ship. Which has its own implications and problems, I'm sure. Yes. But like, oh no. So, 9.12 a.m., the Grand Comte blew up and sent shrapnel flying 
everywhere. Shocking. Like we, we've already talked about this. We yeah. know how big these booms can be. Mm-hmm. Um, it liquefied. The, yeah. The explosion triggered a 15-foot wave. Oh. Which nope. then started its own chain reaction of destruction. No, thank you. Um, it also destroyed a nearby chemical plant. Oh, no. And wiped out most of the fire department because they were on the ship fighting the fire and within the immediate vicinity of the fire. When the explosion happened. Yes. So it's just this littler ship of volunteer firefighters and they all died? They had four trucks. They oh. Had four fire trucks. Oh, they had trucks. So yeah. they're docked. Yep. Is that the idea? They're okay. docked. They're docked, so they've got the trucks are, like, right there. Yep. So, I mean, at least, <sighs> like, with Halifax, they were trying to fuck off. Yeah, they weren't against... I mean, I, the Halifax had sort of hit the edge of this thing, but by that point it had been abandoned and drifted. Yep. This was just straight up docked. Yeah, it was just there. I can't believe they're like, we've got a fire we don't know what to do with. We are carrying tons of chemicals that, ex- that explode. Yep. It's on fire. We know it. We're staying where we are. This is like... This is not the end. This is worse than... So, <laughs> the official death toll was 781. Mm. Again, in a town of 18,000. But historians really suspect a lot more than that perished. I mean, there were people that just were flagged as missing. Of course. And you never, never find their bodies. identified, never found. There were no pieces left of them. There was no right. identifying pieces of clothing. Like, they were likely just, like... Vaporized. I doubt they do. I don't know if they did dental records even by that point. Who knows? I by 1917, remember. that was not an option, I'm pretty sure. But I think, like, 1947, they started getting a little smarter with that. Yeah. Um, but still, I'm sure. So, it's a Ugh. chemical fire. Ugh. This explosion happened on the 16th. Still burning by the 17th. Yeah. And there were other ships still docked there. Because, I mean, it was probably chaos. Yeah. And no one was thinking, hey, what, what's in the cargo on the other ship? Oh, no. Uh, so, Emily. the High Flyer uh-huh. also had ammonium nitrate on board. Oh, God. Oh, my God. And caught on fire on the 17th and exploded. The only... Po- okay. I blame the captain. Because, yep. like, or, like, a member of the crew of that ship. Because as soon as you hear... That another ship in the same dock has exploded, carrying the same shit as you. Don't you think you, like, let somebody know, like, we should get away. We should move the ship. (laughs) And it might have been that the ship wasn't movable. Maybe. Maybe it was too close. Yeah. Ugh, still. So, but even then, it's like, if you know you've got explosives on board, you rally people and you start clearing that fucking ship. Yeah, at least tell people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that blast did kill two more people and destroyed another nearby ship. Oh, God. Um, the blasts were so strong. The blasts, both blasts, mm-hmm. were felt in Galveston. Oh, yeah, where the hurricane yep. had been. That's, I imagine, a good deal away. Yeah. <laughs> and houses were shaken off of their foundations. Mm-hmm. Uh when things go up that high in explosions, they have to come down. Mm. So chunky pieces of fiery debris started raining from the sky. No, that's the part that would be the worst, I think, because you just yep. can't, you don't know where that's going to. Yep. Ugh. Uh, it left thousands injured and destroyed hundreds of homes. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yep. Fuck. Uh, according to the Texas City Library, 
Uh, the high school gym had to be converted into a temporary morgue. I mean, we're in full disaster protocol. Yep. Um, and isn't it sad that, like, anytime there's a disaster, it's like, we got to put the dead bodies in the school. Yep. <laughs> like, that's what Biggest schools space. are for. <laughs> like, space. Yep. And <clears throat> a local auto mechanics garage was used as an embalming room. Oh. So, yeah. our first survivor that we talked about, Ernestine, had Hi. a friend, Billy Bell Lambert, who was 12 at the time, and was at home when the explosion happened. Mm. Uh, and she said, Ernestine and I were chopped up like hamburgers. That's her def- like description Woof. of the carnage. Like the lacerations mm-hmm. and stuff. They, ugh. Uh, so, half of Billy's body was pinned under her house. And the other half was caught under a door after the explosion. Oh, my God. Uh, it left her with a five-inch cut across her forehead and a six-inch cut to the bone on her left leg and then glass just throughout her body and four cut toes. Ow. So part of these stories keep coming up because the survivors continued to gather at the memorial every year. Oh, nice. And there'd been an interview in 2019 of a lot of the survivors. Mm-hmm. So I don't know with COVID if they still continued to gather, as a lot of them were significantly older. I would hope that they wouldn't And high just... risk. Yeah. yeah. Another survivor had been working on the ship that had caught fire. The first ship, the Mont Blanc. Or no. Jesus. <laughs> wrong one. Grand Calm. The Grand Calm. The Grand Calm. <laughs> Uh, George Cash Jr. had been working on the ship and just happened to be in the shop the day of the explosion. So like, he, he wasn't on board. He could have been on board, but just happened to be... Was he, like... Were there many people aboard the ship still? Was it almost everybody? Say. Okay. I wonder. I would assume so. And that some people were just running errands. Yeah, like maybe. docked and milling about. Yeah. And still doing their daily tasks that... Oh, shit needs to still be done. Imagine seeing your own ass ship like blow up and you just know like so many of your crewmates were yeah. there. Oh, terrifying. Uh, he said, quote, when the ship blew up, it shot steel so high in the air it took almost a full minute to come down. At which yep. point, if you start thinking about it scientifically, I don't remember how long it takes to hit terminal velocity. Not that long. When falling. I'm guessing those are like like tossing a penny off the Empire State Building. You could absolutely kill somebody if they got hit in the head with one of those. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, and this is sharp steel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, These at least it's going to... Shards of steel. Yeah. Uh, and he watched it fall and it like barely missed him. Like he was somehow able to completely escape injury. Mm-hmm. Through the falling shards of metal. Mm. But our other two survivors that we talked about just had so many surgeries. And just years and years of recovery. That was a lot of injuries that you listed. On a a child's body, too. On a child's body. Four toes gone. And And Ernestine said, quote, the doctors to this day can't understand how I managed to walk after that. Really? Mm Mm-hmm for her um eugene bearfield was another one who was injured in the blasts he was working on a tugboat when the explosions happened Mm. and the wheelhouse's glass door had been like from the explosion just forced into his back like it just exploded into his back ow raymond is another survivor he was 10 years old 
when the Grand Comp exploded. Uh, he'd originally been playing tops on his school grounds when he heard the fire trucks and the sirens and saw all the trucks going to mm-hmm. the dock and had noticed yellowish-orange smoke in the sky. That now, doesn't seem like good smoke. Ammonio nitrate fertilizer produces yellowish-orange smoke. Aha. Uh-huh. Fun fact. Now you know. Yeah. If you see yellowish-orange smoke, do not approach. To me, that's just like, even if I didn't know ammonium nitrate, it'd still be like, that's not good. That's weird smoke. <laughs> Stay away. He happened to be inside when the explosions happened, taking a test. Mm. Uh, quote, I saw glass slide across the floor. I turned and a window shade hit me, shielding me from the flying glass. Good. Uh, classmates were dazed and screaming, and I tried to go down the stairs, but a wall had collapsed over them. Hmm. And I started praying to the good Lord Jesus to help me. As you do. Yep. He did make it home, but the south wall of his house had been blown in. But luckily, no one in his family was seriously injured. That is good. Uh, he says, quote, there's an old adage that says there are no atheists in foxholes. I would add to that, and there are no atheists in explosions. <laughs> so, the disaster uh, did produce the first class action lawsuit against the United States government. Really? So, the Federal Torts <clears throat> Claim Act had only been passed in 1946. So, like a year Literally before. one year. Okay. Yep. Which made that, you know... You could sue the government. <laughs> and, and then they were like, let's like, use this one right away. Sue the government. We're actually going to do it right away. <laughs> so uh, there were 8,485 plaintiffs in this class, class action lawsuit. On April 13th of 1950, a district court did find the United States responsible for a litany of negligent acts. Yeah, I was just going to ask is it entirely about negligence? Uh huh. <laughs> okay. Of omission and commission by 168 named agencies and their representatives in the manufacture, packaging, and labeling of ammonium nitrate. They're basically all just saying, like, you did a really bad job with the handling of this substance all the way through. There were further errors compounded with transport, storage, loading, fire prevention, and fire suppression, all of which then led to the explosions and the subsequent carnage. Interesting. So it was a comedy of errors put on top of negligence. Mm-hmm. In so a way, I'm just, glad that, like, it was the government that faced the consequences. Well, Are you about to say that the crew does, too? <laughs> so on June 10th, 1952, the uh, U.S. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals overturned the decision. <clears throat> saying the United States maintained the right to exercise its own discretion in national matters. The Court of Appeals is just below the Supreme Court, isn't it? Yep. And then it went to the Supreme Court. Okay. Because, yeah, they were like, fuck that, actually, I think. And the Supreme Court affirmed that decision. Ugh. In a four to three opinion in 1953. (laughs) And this is four months before the Warren Court took over. Oh. And we get into abolishing segregation with Brown v. the Board of Education. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a very liberal Supreme Court. At this point, maybe not so much. It's not so much. So I feel like them they basically ruled, like, actually, the government can kind of do what it wants. Yeah, we and can't like, say the government was negligent because we don't believe that the government should have an overarching supervision of things that we've employed 
other companies and facilities. And they truly are saying it was actually the fault of the the crew aboard and any companies any in charge. Oversight. Yeah, and like. In a way, I think, like, is it the fault of the person who dropped the cigarette? Yes. Exactly as much as it is the fault of the people who packed it that way. Like, as yep. much in, in there as, as, as they could, probably, along with a bunch of other stuff that explodes. But... With a I, literal example of Halifax happening. Yeah. With this same fucking chemical, right. like... Going, I, boom. I still think the buck stops with the government, though, because this yeah. is ultimately a, a, a ship for the war effort, which means it is commissioned by the government. Like, it, yeah. but they like they went into playing like the district court doesn't have jurisdiction under a federal statute to find the U.S. government liable for negligent planning decisions because they're too small a court. Right. But that's because why they brought it up there. Planning decisions were delegated correctly to the departments and agencies. Hmm. So they fucked up, but not in a way that they could be held accountable. They did everything right as according to what they believed. And yes. then somewhere along the way, somebody decided either not to heed their direction. Right. Interesting. But in the dissent arguments, because like tort was new. It was still really fresh. Mm. And they're like, well, actually, but this falls under tort liability. So, because we literally just made a rule that you can sue the government like you could sue a private person. And isn't this always going to be the case for the government? Right. And if we were going to hold that sailor liable Mm -hmm. for dropping the cigarette, we would sue him and... The tort law makes it so that we can now sue the government like we would have sued that guy. As an employer of right. said sailor. That's the point of that law. So it gets sticky and Interesting. It gets weird. That actually really is yeah. fascinating and sticky. It gets crazy. Um, so some things changed. Arguments were made. Private mm. people are held to a higher standard of care when carrying out inherently dangerous acts. You know. More oversight is needed. Right. I think that's basically what we've always learned from these things is more oversight is better than less. And because there was such power behind this movement of this call for justice, mm. uh, when the Supreme Court was like, mm, no. So they're like, well, all right, you didn't help us. We're taking this to Congress. Oh, shit. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, Congress did actually make claims to be processed for the survivors. Mm. Um, so they issued, by 1957, they'd issued 1,394 awards, totaling in near, nearly $17 million, which is about $179 million in today money. Okay. As means of relief for rebuilding and helping with recovery and medical bills. Sure. that That's good. Yep. $179 million is... Decent. When split between a lot of people. It is a, yeah. So. Right. It's um, hard. It's a small town, yes. too. This was hit hard. Um, so, of the dead, 405 were identified. 63 have never been identified. Mm. Um, they were placed in a memorial cemetery in the north part of Texas. An additional 113 people were classified as missing, which I mentioned. Right. Um, these numbers do include the firefighters who were aboard the ground comp when she exploded. 
Um, there's speculation that hundreds more could have been killed for including uncounted, the visiting crews of ships, yes, undocumented laborers and their families, yes, and people an we never whole number of travelers because this yeah. was a port city. Right. There's tons of people who could have been there for only a day. Yep. Or a, a week, and we never would have known. Yeah. And it's strange because there are survivor accounts of people being like as close as 70 feet to the dock when it exploded but then you've also got people further away who died and And it just just... depends on how the explosion happened to affect them yep and where they were and what they were behind did debris fall on them were they hit by shrapnel yep yeah it's all so random um the seaport was destroyed many businesses were flattened or burned uh about two thousand people were left homeless Mm. uh more than 5,000 people were injured. About almost 2,000 were admitted to 21 area hospitals. Uh, 1,100, over 1,100 vehicles were damaged. Hmm. 362 freight cars were obliterated. That's a lot. Yeah. And property damage was estimated at about 100 million, which is equivalent to like 1.3 trillion. I was going to say 100 million in their money. Yep. At the time. That's a and that, lot of like, damage. might not even fully encompass the full scope of the damage. Ugh. Uh, a further 500 million of oil products, because this is Texas. Oh, God. Oh, shit. This is Texas. Yeah. In the, the 1940s. With oil barons. Yes. So a further 500 million dollars worth of oil products were burned. Oh, my God. Which is the equivalent of 6.6 trillion trillion dollars in today's money i can't even handle that and more than 800 people were left orphaned or widowed Ugh. the anchor the short anchor the two short ton anchor i don't boat so i don't know what that means i think boats that size have multiple anchors so like this was like the short anchor for probably like being in shallower water that makes sense yeah rather than the like chain is not as long anchor yeah uh but it Still weighed a lot. Uh, it was bet. curled 1.62 miles. Uh-huh. That is this. That happened uh-huh. the exact same in the Halifax uh-huh. one, and it landed in another part of town, uh-huh. and they always weigh, like, at least a ton. Yep. I think this is 1.8 metric tons. Yes. They're, that's insane. I love that that is a fact of both of them. And it made a 10-foot crater. Yeah. That's troubling. The other main five-short-ton anchor, which is 4.5 metric tons, so this is probably the deep-sea anchor, was hurled half a mile to the entrance of the Texas City Dyke. Jesus. <laughs> and it now rests on a Texas-shaped memorial at the entrance. Does it? It does. I mean, I'd be like, everything about this sucks, but that's cool as hell. <laughs> I'm keeping that there. Yep. Uh, oh, my so, God. Like, because it was fire, burning wreckage, everything ignited. Yeah. So... Dozens and dozens of oil storage tanks, chemical tanks. I mean, the fires must have been just burning for yep. days. Galveston was covered in an oily fog. Ew! That just left deposits. God, Galveston everywhere. really does go through they it, don't go they? They through it. Bullshit. They're like, what's yeah. happening in the other town over? Yeah. It's not good, People huh? We were children during the hurricane. Right. Now we're living through this as adults. Um, 27 of the 28 members of Texas City's volunteer fire department. And three of the four members of the Texas City Heights Volunteer Fire Department mm. who were on the docks near the burning ships were killed. Oh. Um, one firefighter, Fred Dowdy, 
mm-hmm. who had not responded to the initial call, um, did end up coordinating other firefighters to arrive from communities up to like 60 miles away. Good. And eventually, um, 200 firefighters arrived from as far away as Los Angeles. Oh, wow. L.A. is very good at fighting fires. Damn. They've had yeah. wildfires for forever. But also, that's a long way to that's go. That's a long fucking way. But this was also a huge fucking fire. I imagine that this is a big deal that everybody hears about across the country pretty fast. So the fires from this, as they put it, cataclysmic event were still burning a week after the disaster. That's all those oil products, yep. I'm sure. Just And it took a month to recover all of the bodies. Ugh, yeah, I would believe that. Obviously, it, it garnered national media attention, which then also brought in a lot more assistance. Um, several funds were established to handle donations. Um, there was the Texas City Relief Fund by their mayor. There was huge fundraising efforts for the victims and disaster organizations, um, including by the mob. You know, sometimes the mob is nice. Yeah. (laughs) So a lot of major companies that had lost their facilities in the explosions did announce plans to rebuild and in some cases expand their operations and implemented policies of retaining their hourly workers Mm. who had previously worked there and promised them employment and if they helped with rebuilding. So they'd be employed. Is that what mid-stage capitalism looks like? I think so. I just don't see a company like doing that, having that policy right now at all of like we're going to keep all our workers like the same people we're not yeah. going to pull like we're going to stay it in this also town like a smaller community yeah it's true these are mom and pop stuff yeah. this is not so you large still corporations maybe have an oil baron but like mm-hmm. they literally struck gold yeah so who knows two years before they were probably working alongside that's them. true also like they can't just like have people work from home from wherever they need no. <laughs> they need the workers also, within that like, the public's eye is on them. Yeah. And this is post World War II. I mean, that's part of the baby boom. Everyone believes in unity. We are America. We are America. Through. Exactly. Like it it makes you look a lot better mm-hmm. to do this than it than it even like the profits you might have from just like moving somewhere else or or getting new workers yep. from that are, might be cheaper and you don't have to pay them as much and worse facilities that you build later. Like You'll look bad, though. Yep. And that used to, like, mean more and matter yep. more. Yep. <laughs> Your image is important. That's why fucking the mob is involved. Like, it makes them look good, too. It makes organized crime look legitimate when they help out with stuff yes. like this. Crazy. So, yeah. Nuts. I just can't believe the parallels between those two I stories. I know. That is so That's upsetting. Why I didn't tell you about it. That, like, God, we like, did shit, not. shit, I'm just keeping this in my back fucking pocket. For real. I'm glad you did. I like that. Like, I'm glad that those were done close together enough too mm-hmm. that people might remember like the details of the half just because like wow we it did not like learn lessons. Story. It's the same it's just a series of mistakes. Yep. And and it's not like anybody went, I'm gonna wake up and fuck shit up today. Right. Like somebody just made a mistake and, and then somebody else made another mistake and then another one. And then it just compounded. And then an explosion happened. Like no one was malicious. No one was even like probably incompetent to the point of no. maliciousness. They just things happen when you pack too much explosives onto a ship. <laughs> like just don't Along do it. Along with other shit that also goes boom. Yes. Yes, when you just let it all kind of hang out together and also when you let people smoke on the ship. I just can't handle 
the fact that like I I know everyone was smoking I know everyone was smoking inside of buildings and next to babies but like I need you to not smoke on the ship full of chemicals that go boom like smoking on planes like and I'm just picturing a man don't understand like down the the like the the hatch to the cargo holds fucking open and he's just smoking over it like dude Maybe seeing like oh, a whoopsies. hazardous. Yes. I don't even know if they had it labeled. I don't know when that happened. Who knows? Because I mean, OSHA wasn't a thing yet, I don't think. The crew had to have known what was down there. Yes. Like, the crew of the Mont Blanc knew exactly what they were fucking carrying. And the explosion of the Mont Blanc wasn't that long ago. No. It was only 30 years yep. beforehand. At the, I swear to God, it's because it didn't happen to America. Yep. Because it was fucking Canadian. So nobody learned anything. And America probably didn't hear that much about it. I know that, like, the East Coast did hear and Boston sent, like, help. But I bet you the rest of the country, Texas yeah. didn't know Texas that happened. Didn't fucking know. <laughs> Texas is busy being the Lone Star State. They didn't know. <laughs> they didn't. Or if they knew, they didn't care. Right. Because I just... America has this toxic trait <laughs> of if it doesn't happen to us. Then it's not that bad. Right. Look if it, at terrorism. I really think the legal thing is the most interesting yes. part because it's like, yeah, whose fault is this? Whose fault is this? Yep. If not the government's, then whose? But then also I understand what they're saying with like, right. well, if we told them, if we fucking sent an email that said, do it <laughs> like this and they didn't do it like that, is that our fault? Fucking throw I get it. I fucking get it. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't trust the gov either. So... <laughs> fascinating though we apologize if the end of this sounds a little bit like someone's <laughs> vacuuming in the background because, because they are is. they are wild it's, it is wild up in here um honestly we didn't talk about this at the beginning but um thank you guys for oh, yeah. um we, we really Fuck. hope you liked the 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 bonus ep we did the yeah. like emily put together I this really cool it, best of it was great honestly it was great like i think that the all the different clips came together really well, considering that they probably had really different yep. <laughs> sound quality to them and they even did. just volume. Um, yeah, they but, all had different sound qualities and different volumes. I kind of like fished around and listened to different parts to see. I tried but to make it consistent. I think it was very good. I think it was really like I appreciated it mainly because like yo, my ass had COVID. It finally happened. Everyone, it finally happened. I had COVID. Um, and then I was sick for a week and then that was the week we were supposed to record. Yep. I was going to be out anyway though. So we had already decided to do this new fun best of plan before yep. I got COVID. Before you got COVID. So it worked out incredibly well. It did. And then <laughs> like we have it flagged for like the other pieces so we can do another best of because mm-hmm. we just got a lot of stuff from the old, ye olden days that and were great. That absolutely. That we love. That like. Yeah. I know when I tell people to start listening to podcasts, I tell them to start like halfway through. When our oh, do you? Quality's got better. Yeah, I think that's fair. I never know what to say, but I think that is fair because, like, I, I think a lot of my favorite things are from like at forty on. Mm-hmm. There's still stuff I'll remember if I look back yeah. from the early stuff that I still love and is yes. legit for sure. But I, I think a lot of. I want to say like the oldest thing on there might have been the Salvador story. Yes. And yep. that's, I don't even remember what F that's from. I think it was 10 or 11. Oh my God. Yep. But then, everything else uh, is much further on. Can of Water was like 26. Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't realize uh, that. Oh, Leo's was like 10. That was that, that was early? The same Salvador. It was 10 or 11. That was, 
that we 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 came up each with like five or six yeah. things. So we've got more if and if it need. And probably happen because my boss is leaving. Yeah. And I am. Uh, I was already doing two people's jobs, and I will now be doing three to four. Uh, Again, I'm just saying you're officially being exploited, and I, I think you need to ask for more money I immediately. I also th- I love the idea of just like having that as an option in our back pocket, so that we still get to release something. Yeah. Something like maybe we've done over a hundred episodes. Maybe you haven't heard them all. Yep. Ha- so this is a good opportunity, and we love these ones. Like we yeah. put, pick these because we love them, and yeah. we still remember them. That's like the main thing. Is like I went through and I pulled mine. Without even looking at the episode list. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to need a minute. And then five minutes later, I messaged yeah. you and was like, never mind. I never remember mind, all I of them. <laughs> because they just, they stand out. Yes. Yes. So those are the ones that we're picking. Also, though, this is one call to action here. If you, as a listener, think that we need need to remember one, like that we should put in a best of at yes. some point that you like and, and maybe we don't remember it, tell us about it. Anything. Just comment. We'll... Come at us. I would love to hear it because I am sure even though we have such good memories of some of these ones, there are ones we're forgetting that are awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys for joining us for, is it 107? It's 107. Episode 107 of the Uh-Oh Feeling. We've missed you so. We've missed We'll you. be back in a couple of weeks. Come, uh, God willing, in the creek don't rise, yeah. which is my favorite saying. Um, and uh, in the meantime, please, never ever forget your can of... Water would be appropriate given fire, but it was a chemical fire. So I don't want to also say gasoline because there was a lot of fire in this. So true. let's just go with beans. So so we're just, because multiple things would have made sense, what you're going to go with is the middle point of beans. The middle point between gasoline and water. It's beans. Which is beans. <laughs> beans are part water. Beans are part <laughs> Yep. And they would have been very, very handy to have yep. in... The Antarctic. That's absolutely true. I bet Ada would have killed Ada for a can of beans. She would have killed Lauren for a can of beans. And honestly, I bet you anything. A lot of the survivors in Texas City probably ate a lot of ration goods from the war times of beans. You just go and ahead and MREs. keep keep so rationalizing. I am justifying. Yep, absolutely. You've done it. You've done it. I will never say that you're not right about this episode. <laughs> Deserving this can one. of beans. This is it, people. <laughs> Because beans came from a series of fuck-ups that led to the death of a person. That's that's what that episode's about. Yep. And so did this. Yep. Both of our stories were a series of fuck-ups that led to some deaths. Yep. I think Can of Beans is actually accurate. Okay. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye, Emily. Bye. <laughs>